Welcome to Level 7, Episode 108, Fantastic Four, 2015. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, fellow agents. It's Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here with my friend and maybe, possibly, odds are, your friend as well. Agent. Hey, what can I say? I'm a friendly guy. Agent Daniel here. You're a, you're a friend to the friendless, Daniel. You're a, you're a hero to the, the hero-less. You have gone and seen a movie that I know a number of people have pretty much said that they are not interested in seeing at all. And I will just say, I can tell from the uh, parking lot that perhaps many of them didn't. I counted 30 people in my theater at 1030, the, the Thursday midnight 1030 show. 30 people, Daniel, in the theater. They were showing it. And do you want to know how many, how many... <laughs> theaters they were showing it in in my theater that has 16 actual auditoriums one they were showing it in one my theater was showing it in four Ooh. and Ooh. within 24 hours i had i counted up because in my theater you pre-buy mm -hmm. and i think i'd counted up between those four showings there was 25 tickets sold <laughs> and one theater one of their biggest had no tickets sold within 24 hours yeah, see, I do pre-order almost all my tickets now because I do it through AMC. I'm a member of the AMC uh, Stubbs. Club, Stubbs thing, yeah. And if you do, if you're a member, you don't get charged that extra fee, uh, you know, the pre-order fee or whatever that, that Fandango charges you. And so I feel like this way, okay, I can, I'll I'll just always do this. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but I almost felt stupid doing it. Well, I, I have to do it because I, in any theater you pick seats. Right, but I don't. Yeah. And I felt yeah, a you, little bit stupid this time around knowing it was not going to be a problem for me to roll in at 1030 and, and be able to get a seat. It it just. I, I Well, well, yeah. again, movie theater showing a lot of stuff, including some popular stuff like, you know, uh, uh, Mission Impossible 4. Mission Impossible 4. Ant-Man. Um, um, and as I left the, uh, again, the, the prequel to is, Mad Max, which is um, Max, uh, which oh. is, I guess him before he was mad, I think. Um, so I'm, I'm used to seat, uh, parking spots just being full, like way, way far back in the parking lot. When I leave, there's hardly any cars there. Hardly any. You know what I've been telling people? I, I keep saying I'm going to see this movie on opening night just so I can say I'm the guy who went on opening night. <laughs> well, I went and saw it on opening night because I'd spent all day in a really, actually a really good uh, leadership summit uh, location where we were watching video feeds from this live feed from Chicago. Just great, great, great leadership um stuff going on you know just all this information information about being a good leader and and being a good follower and and not only how to give good feedback but how to receive good feedback and and uh ed catmull was there 
from Pixar and he he spoke for about an hour and it was wonderful, but it was so much information. And I got home and I, I was just, you know, I, I had this information overload. I am going to go and watch a movie tonight. And I had low, low, low expectations. I'll talk about my expectations and how they were met or not met in just a moment. But um, I could have gone to the eight o'clock show, but I wanted to spend time with my family, too. So I got home, spent time with my family, and then they all went to bed and I jumped in the car and I went to just turn off my brain and, and watch a movie. And Daniel, I have to say that when that movie started, um, I was thinking to myself, this movie is completely, completely bucking all the expectations of how terrible I thought this movie would be. That is what I was saying at about 20 minutes into the movie, Daniel. And I was saying that for a good 15 minutes after that as well. You know what I was thinking in that first half hour? What were you thinking? This isn't that bad. I was too. I'm like, this is, this is okay. I'm, I'm right there with you, Daniel. Um, I'm, I'm going to say something right now. Uh, I have prepared a statement, Daniel. All right. I would, I'm prepared for your statement. It is. It'll, it'll come later. Um, oh. We have one piece of listener feedback from Agent Evan, who was actually in the same theater I was in, but he was there two hours earlier for that eight o'clock show that I didn't go to. Um we have my prepared statement. We are going to talk about vague impressions right now. We'll play a spoiler warning. Um, I have a list of questions. Are they spoilers? Are they after the spoiler or before? Yes. Okay. And then I also and, have. And I'm going to interject these questions throughout our conversation, or we can even use them to start conversation. They might, know. because I have kind of a conversation starter as well, though. And that is I have listed the eight different movies that you experience when you go to this movie called Fantastic Four. Eight different movies occur, Daniel. Is one of them divergent? Oh, I'm not talking specific movies. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Well, let's do our general impressions because I want to get into the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's fun stuff? Okay, sure. General impression. My general impression. This movie started out and had me pleasantly surprised at there was some interesting things going on that I actually kind of enjoyed. Characters, the actors. I was I was grooving with it for a little while and then it just kind of hit a point where it stopped grooving for me. And we're talking about that that half hour mark about I wasn't watching my clock because I would have to take out my phone and I wasn't going to do that. Unlike the person who's sitting next to me, but you can't believe uh, Daniel. Do you want to know what happened? I about the halfway mark. I heard snoring behind me. And I turned around. And I saw there was a group of three people sitting together. One of them was snoring. The other one was jolted awake by that other one's snoring. <laughs> Out of my, my group of 30 people, there was me and two people who fell asleep at least. But and then it just it just it hit that mark, that, that 30 minute mark. And it just started slowly crawling downward, 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 slowly crawling downward, downward spiral. It was, uh, and by the, by the end of the movie, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't the completely terrible, awful mess that I was expecting when I was hearing them talk about this movie. Instead, it was just a really super mediocre mess. And if it had not been Fantastic Four, I actually might, might come out of it saying, hey, you know what? That was a pretty mediocre 
postmodern sci-fi movie. And I mean, some of the questions that I have for you, Ben, when we get to that are tied to the fact that the Fantastic Four labels on this. Yeah. Yeah. If, if and, and they're not they're not things either that I, I would say, oh, a serious comic book nerd. That, that That's what you are, because you're asking these questions. I think they're just questions that people who have general interest in even the, the earlier Fantastic Four movies would ask. Yeah, it's now I that's my my first impression. That's my my general impression. Um, someone asked is which one will I like least pixels? Or Fantastic Four. And I can say definitively, Pixels, without a doubt, is the worst movie of the year that I have seen. Fantastic Four, it it comes in probably second worst. But it comes in second worst because they're both joyless. They're both mediocre. And, and maybe Fantastic Four should be lower because of the potential that it had and instead of you know rising to that potential it just it's just the it's it's not so bad it's good it's not so good it's great it's just kind of walking this line of safety well and i will say this you bring up you know bad movies i think of the three fantastic four movies i've ever seen in my life this is definitely the bottom and part of the thing is, is y- you know what? In some places, these movies have something in common. Bad acting, both of them. Um, both of what? Both Fantastic Four, the original, the so Ian Grunfeld. Oh, no. Yeah, the, not the, I've never seen the Corman. See, yeah, the, I, the Corman one is so bad, it's good. It's laughable. I find it, you know, they put heart into it. They, they, they obviously put heart into it. But you laugh at it because it's a bad movie. And and so that's that's where I would say it falls in line there. It's a yeah, worse but, but, movie than this one, but it's better because it actually engages you on that level. But, uh, you know, I can go back and I do. I own those other two Fantastic Four movies. And sometimes they get thrown into the mix because at the end of the day, adventure fun. I'm not looking for Shakespeare here. No, no, I'm looking for a movie that is going to be enjoyable. Now, some of this goes to my, my, my uh, statement that I prepared, but fantastic four is meant to be fun. Like that's the primary purpose of the fantastic four. They were created to be a fun, enjoyable concept. And then there's the family aspect of things too. (laughs) Where, from the beginning, Fantastic Four was meant to be about family. And it's about a makeshift family. You know, Sue and Johnny are brother and sister. Uh, Sue and Reed are engaged. And then Reed and Ben are best friends. So they know each other. They like each other. They get on each other's nerves. And... That's where you say you throw those other two into the mix. I haven't watched them recently, but the one thing I'll give credit to them for is they were at least trying to do what the the concept allows for and calls for. This movie, <sighs> it's it's like they said, hey, you know, those other two movies, they tried to be fun and nobody liked them. 
So we should totally go the opposite direction. I think that's exactly what they did. Exactly. And hey, let's make everything dark. <sighs> yeah. Because, you know, everybody loved that in Superman. <laughs> Man of Steel, everybody loved the darkness, now didn't they? It's Did they not, even watch the internet? Come on. It's not just the darkness, though. This, uh, they, I, I use the word safe because it's like they said, okay, well, let's try and emulate all the other franchises out there. So let's try and be the Dark Knight with the dark and the gritty and the drinking and the, you know, the, the problems and the, the overwhelming plotting of the plot. And then, oh, you know what else? Uh, disasters in Avengers. Dad, put that in there. And, you know, it, it, they, I feel like they just took all of the other superhero franchises and, and put them in a blender. And they blended it all up. And then they have this bloody, pulpy mess that they pour into a fantastic four-shaped uh, cake mold. But they're putting meaty gravy into the cake mold they put it in the oven and you end up with this kind of weird roast beef that looks like fantastic four they put frosting on it and now it looks like a fantastic four cake from the outside but don't worry it doesn't have a four on it but once you get into it and you like start cutting the cake you realize i'm, I'm this is meatloaf with frosting on it and it's not even the same meat there's like chicken and and beef and fish. You're trying to distract me and make me a hot mess with a meatloaf reference. Aren't you? I'm just trying to make you hungry or to start. Had, let's just, just say the meatloaf I had two days ago. It had bacon mixed in. It was delightful. Okay. Well, maybe maybe mixing meat into meatloaf isn't a, a problem if you're mixing the right meats. Okay. But they're putting they're putting fish seasoning in there. Okay. Ah. Okay. All right. Let's pause All for right. a second. I'm just trying to make you think about food or or think about um. Get the song stuck in your head that you would do anything for love, but you won't do that. All right. Let's just let's do a little on air pause for a second. Okay. There's some things we haven't done. So what's this movie about? What's this movie about? Movies about young man by the name of Reed Richards, who's recruited by Franklin Storm to come and help him create a teleporter, which takes them to a another world. Wink, wink. Planet Zero. The team of. Reed, Franklin's daughter, Sue, Franklin's son, uh, Johnny. Johnny, and a young man named Dr. Doom create this teleporter with great success. Uh, I'll stop you for a moment there. And then stuff happens. Technically, and we're not gonna... technically his name is Dr. Von Doom. Ah, good point. Good point. Yeah, it is yeah, yeah. yeah. Victor Von Doom. He's not even a doctor, technically. No, no. It was just a nickname because he was a, uh, a negative Nelly. He and was, here's my he problem. Eeyore. That's really as comfortable as I'm willing to go into the plot of this movie, because after that, it just becomes kind of spoilery to me. Yeah. And so we're this is the non-spoiler section. I think we might be ready to move. Um, Daniel, I'm going to ask you to rate this movie before we go into spoilers. I'm All not right. going to give Billy Clubs. Um, oh, I was going to give. I was totally prepared for Billy Clubs. Well, Billy Clubs is Daredevil. Okay. I, I think we um, should do this out of Fantastic Car sections. Okay. Do you give this between one and five Fantastic Car sections? 
I give this movie one fantastic card section. And the only reason it gets one fantastic card section is because of the first half hour. And I give this two fantastic card sections. That means in my, in my ranking, uh, you've given it an F. Would that be fair? Yes. I would prefer to never see it again. In my ranking, I've given it a D. It would end up probably being a D minus. It passes because it's adequately made. Lighting is good. Yeah, you, you say know, that, but yet the director's disavowing it. That's true. That's true. Uh, but I'm giving it a D. I would give it a C if it was not Fantastic Four. If this was called... Um, if this was another movie in the Divergent storyline, which Teller also does, and I, bo- finds completely boring, <laughs> yet he cashes those checks. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, if, if, uh, if this was called um, The Other Dimension... Or, Planet Zero. Or if this was called um, uh, Doom comes to read Richards. You know what's really sad? I would give I, it a three. I would give it a three if it was just a sci-fi movie that I wouldn't have seen in the theater but would have picked up on, on Redbox. But because it was a franchise and because it was using identifiable characters – in identifiable situations, they took a story that should have been so good, could have been so good, and they chose to just make this. You know, it's really sad here. I know a lot think, of things. Think are about sad this. Here. Think about this. The Avengers was based on the Ultimates. This is based on Ultimate Fantastic Four. It's same universe, such different outcomes. Thing is, Ultimate Fantastic Four. Um, now it's been a long, long while since I've read it, uh, but I've I read the first six issues of Ultimate Fantastic Four, and I found myself kind of liking it. Kind of it enjoying goes in some places that are quite different. Um, but I also then before I left for the theater on Thursday, I reread the original Fantastic Four uh, origin. In fact, I read it from the the book um, Origin uh, Origins of Marvel of Marvel Comics that that graphic novel from I think it's from the, the late 70s or mid 70s or something like that and I, I read that first issue and I thought this is fun it's not perfect but it's fun and you know I know that the movie's not going to be anything like this but that's the seed that's the seed and they were trying to take that seed and they took that seed they planted it and then the tree grew. They took the apple and they tried to graft it onto a watermelon vine. Like, yeah, that's what we're going to do here. We're going to make it into something it's not. And yeah, I, I don't know if Ultimate Fantastic Four gets so dreary and dull and and dour. I would say it's not my favorite of the Ultimate Universe, especially towards the end. But again, I mean, you're seeing some of the, the seeds of that in Secret Wars. Well, you mean I'm seeing some of the results? Yeah, Maker. Yeah, the, the kind of the evil Reed Richards or whatever. Yep, that, that's the thing. Ultimately, spoilers, this Reed Richards would, has the potential From to From Ultimate Comics. Go total, yeah, to totally go evil. Because Ian Grenfell would never go evil because he's Horatio Hornblower. Yeah. So. Well, so should we go into uh, Yeah, spoilers? let's play it because I've got a list of things that they got right. Maybe that we could start there. Okay. And I've got, like I said, a list of the eight different movies that this movie breaks down into. Okay. 
Spoilers. 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 All right, so where do you want to start here? Hey, I got a list of things that, that I thought went right. Okay. Is one of them naming Johnny's father Franklin Richards? No, because I've seen that happen in Ultimate Fantastic Four. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was a really nice callback, and I guess it's no, he's a... totally if Ultimate Fantastic Four. Then Sue Franklin names Richards her... has got a big. I mean, Franklin Storm's got a big role. Because then Sue names her child after yeah her father. Yeah. Totally. That's cute. Yeah, totally cool. Um, I liked it. All right, here's my three things. Okay, three things I did right. I felt like they actually MCU Doom for a little bit there. For in the a first moment, half, we meet Doom at the beginning. For yep, yep. For a moment, there was some MCUing going on there. Yep. So I thought that that was like, uh, wow, okay, we we MCU Doom, kind of cool. I like the fact that the phrase "clobber in time" got used. Eh. It, it wasn't done by the right person, but at least Ben was in the scene. Yeah, okay. And mm-hmm. they made sure to stay keep Ben true to his roots. He's Jewish. Okay, that's good. Yep, there's my list. I I will go also uh, and talk about casting. Um, the four main characters, I feel like they were all well cast. I d- I'm not and a fan of Teller at all. In a different movie, I think that they all would have really uh, had a chance to shine as those characters in a different movie. Um, I thought that uh, Kate Mara was bland, and I have some serious issues with her Sue Storm. I found Teller to be blah, as I find him in everything. And I found uh, the barber. Is he the guy who did Thing? Mm, I don't know any of their names off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah, the guy who did Thing was barely there. Uh, Franklin Richards, he was also uh, the the actor himself. Uh, did really uh, did a, a good job with the material he was given. There was there was some th- scenes though where he was chewing the scenery. He was a little over the top, and you could tell he was acting in a few scenes. I think he was doing his job, and not just showing up for the paycheck, but doing his job for the paycheck. And and then you know from there you're getting to doom. Eh, you, uh, again, if it wasn't Fantastic Four and his name wasn't Victor Von Doom. And it was just, you know, two young uh, scientists who had a rivalry with against each other in they science had a rivalry? and in love. No, I'm saying <laughs> if it had worked out better, you know, I think it would have been nicer. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know. They don't do it. If you're going to say there's a rivalry, they just don't do a good enough job selling it. Because at one point, Doom's like towards the end, he's like, rejoice held it over to me that you were smarter than me. And it's like, really? I never really saw that. I saw Reed always being kind of helpful. And uh, yeah, and there was actually a lot of that kind of thing. It's like, really? You're going to make a statement like that. But when, when was Reed like, boo, yeah, I'm smarter. Doom. That never happened. And it's not like even with Sue, it's not like he was like, oh yeah, I'm going to go get your girl. Oh, I'm going to do it. Doom. I'm no, going to no. go get her. And here, I guess Daniel is where I'm going to give some more faint praise to the subtlety of what was going on there. Reed never held it over his head like that. Reed never said, Oh, I'm going to get your girl. Reed never said, Oh, I'm smarter than you. Reed was just smarter and got the girl. Did he get the girl? Well, he came closer than doom. 
I think Doom might have had the girl and lost the girl. That's also quite possible. But right now, Reed is actually the guy who gets to share a smile in a scene. All right. Now, that do you counts. want to do your statement? Or do you want me to or can I start? My statement needs to wait, questions? but. Uh, OK, then I'm going to do my questions. I got a bunch of them. OK. OK. Question number one. Question number one. This is the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. What happened to the family theme? This is not a family. It's in the sequel, it, dude. Well, this is a movie about a brother and a sister and two guys that we think are friends because they spent some time on the seat on the screen for a while. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, there's we no got, family we got, element. To we got this. more of Ben and Reed's friendship in the trailer than we got in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and of course, and, and, and for a good portion of this movie, Ben's just mad at him. And and Reed's such a good friend that, oh, yeah, I'm going to run away for a year because that's believable. Oh, but he ran away because he was trying to get away from what they were doing. And then I believe that he was working on some sort of sciencey thing to try and fix it. Yeah, he, he I mean, was working was, on sciencey things. But, that, and I think that's the sciencey thing he was fixing on it. Working, on, I think, is I'm going to yeah, fix this scared. Problem. Oh, absolutely. But again, again, he ran away. He's basically a teenager in this movie. I do get that part, but that's. If we're going to sell the family theme, and if you're going to do the Fantastic Four, you got to do the family theme. No, this is not a family. Daniel, this is just like John Carter, Warlord of Mars. Okay, what did they do with John Carter? At the end of John Carter, he goes back to Mars, and what happens? They bring up the title because that's what you do in movies these days. You bring up the title at the end, and it says John Carter, and then what fades in? The words of Mars, because he wasn't John Carter of Mars. Until the end of the movie, which I understand what they're trying to do with that. It's, it's still a misstep for marketing. It's the same thing with the theme song. And this is this is intentional in that first Star Trek reboot movie. They didn't play the full Enterprise theme that we know so well until they were a crew all together on the bridge. And that's what happened here, Daniel. The family, that dynamic is going to come in the sequel. Won't happen. Right? All right. Because Can that's I... that's what you do these days is you bring them together and the first movie is actually more like the pilot episode. Yeah, this is not issue zero. Sorry. It is issue zero, Daniel. Sorry. That's that's the thing. That's the problem. They right. they were counting on a sequel because yeah, we bring them together at the end and they're friends. Yeah, they they need to check their numbers. That's not gonna happen. All right. <laughs> well they know Next that now. Question. <laughs> I want to move to my next question. Yeah, sure. Because I got a lot of them. This is the Fantastic Four, right? Mm-hmm. So how do their powers reflect their personality? Well, they they do. They do? No, because what I saw is Ben has got rocks on him because rocks came into his chamber in the transporter. Right, right. But, okay, so you're you're suggesting that in the story the powers were influenced by their personality. So the That's cosmic always rays been a or big part of the fantastic four is that, you know, it mm. kind of reflects who they are. Yeah. I think it is meant to reflect who they are, but I think it's more of an intentional, like a metaphorical reflection. Exactly. And but it's not ever done enough. It's, this is something you got to have slapped across your face to make it work. No, and they no. never do it. You got to be more subtle, but here's the thing you, you, you're right, Daniel. They're, the powers reflect the personalities. The powers reflect the people. So you have the hotshot who's a show-off. 
well, he's covered in flame and can fly. And they did that well with our uh, our previous Fantastic Four movies. Um, you've got the woman who she basically feels invisible, feels like she's just she could just fade away, but she's also got this power, this strength, this unseen strength. And and so that's that's you know there's a metaphor there. You have the gruff, tough, strong exterior for the thing. Uh, but you're right. None of these characters actually exhibit much of this because they don't have a chance to really exhibit much character at all, especially Ben Grimm. All right. Let's talk about Sue. Let's talk about Sue. And then I'm going to get into some of my 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 list of the, the different movies we're seeing. Here. Do you want my three Sue questions all put together? Shoot. Let's make it. OK, let's make it happen. Uh, 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 uh. Sue. Sue. How does Sue get powers? She never touched the green energy. The monkey would have never have, t- who also never touched the green energy, didn't get powers either. And on the early return. Oh, and uh, Daniel, again, Daniel, she Daniel. didn't go. She just gets this after effect, but yet she has powers. But, but she, she never touched the green energy. energy. Why didn't everybody in the room get powers when the monkey came back? No, there wasn't an explosion when the monkey came back. She got zapped by energy. There okay, was an how explosion. About this? The energy came from the other side into the room. She was the only person in the room at the time. That's why mm. she got powers. Well, but that's totally a makes sense problem, to me. Which is why doesn't Sue get to go to the other world? Ooh. Huh, right? Huh, writers? Mm. Why doesn't she get to go? She invested more time into the shuttle than Ben ever did. <sighs> Chauvinistic pig writers. Yeah. Come on. As soon as I saw there's only four pods on their invention. Like, so how does Doom get over there? Huh. Maybe that's why things go bad for him, because he, like, stows away or something. And then I realized, no. Sue. Daniel, this is a travesty to this story. It, it is. She a- should be a part of this, and they should be doing it because it's a s- sense of adventure. We, we got to do this, guys. You know, we're not going to get this chance again because they're going to take it away from us. Nope, they don't include her at all. No. And when Ben when, and, and Raid's like, oh, I got someone to call. Nope, it's not Sue who's invested time and energy. <laughs> and this is a writing problem. I'm sorry. You can say, okay, he's a teenager. No. He's going to call his buddy. But there's a writing problem going on here. It's there, not that hard to get Sue over there. There is a writing problem. The phone call going to Ben, that's actually not bad because Ben was a part of the genesis of this whole thing. And now he gets to be a part of the end. That's great. But Sue should be there. Sue should wander in on them. Sue should fight, figure out what they're doing earlier. It's, oh. Yeah. All right, ready. Here's my last Sue question. Again, because I don't think they, that Sue, again, she's had a year to work with her powers. A year. But a year later, they make it look like Johnny's like Mr. Cool. He knows all about his power set. In his lame suit that allows him to turn his powers on and off. Because they're supposed to do it on their own. But anyway, Sue goes from her one room that she's allowed to work in with shipping containers. And like floats herself like four feet off the ground. And is constantly like in strain. She's constantly in strain because she's having powers problems with her powers. Okay. But yet when she goes to the other world, she's able to cap the black hole thingy and catch cars. And she's like. No, no problem, boys. She's I'm been all good. She's been practicing, Daniel. Yeah, like, she's clearly. been practicing. We go from one scene clearly. where she's in a strain to uh, catching cars. Oh, but there was time 
No, there's no time. Yeah, no, they're skipping around all. I mean, they're just jumping ahead, ahead, ahead. That's the, that's another writing problem here, Daniel, is that they're trying to cover so much time that they're actually taking the most interesting bits of the Dude, story the and way just they make mentioning work, them. Reed shows up at the at Area 57 and he like takes 10 minutes and they're going. That's the way they make it look. It's it's poor. It's Which uh, again, and one of my Sue questions is, how does Doom know what Sue's power is? Because he's only had like twenty minutes to Google when he comes back. Mm. Seriously, he doesn't interact with her, but Daniel, yet he knows she's invisible. Here's the thing: some of your questions, I, I could kind of do the work for the movie and answer them, but most of your questions, Daniel, if they're this kind of question, it's going to come down to a, a very simple. It's on the editing room floor or it wasn't there to begin with. And either way, this is a creator problem. And it's. It's there, there's there's a problem of tone here, Daniel. There's a problem of pacing there. The, this movie, like I said, it doesn't know what it wants to be. It's mixing. It's mixing around in the blender. It's getting all chopped up and you got some veal in there. And and you've got some maybe a little bit of bacon because don't bacon be making good. meatloaf at a comparison to this. Meatloaf is delightful. It's 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 not good meatloaf though, Daniel. Somebody told me earlier this week that no one wants meatloaf, and I was supposed to have meatloaf one night this week, and it didn't work out. So then we went out for dinner, and I ordered meatloaf, and people made fun of me. But I'm gonna just keep and I'm gonna stay here and say meatloaf is delicious. Well, it's a loaf of meat. Come on, man. This Can I ask one more question right before we problems. do your next list? Yeah, sure. Because this is an important one. Okay. Where does Doom get the hoodie? Now, wait, wait. Let me cut you off real quick. So I am fine with saying that Doom was wearing the hoodie underneath his environmental suit when he went over to Planet Zero, or as I like to call it, the negative zone. I'm cool with that. Totally cool with saying that's where the hoodie came from, except for one thing. His environmental suit was absorbed into his body. Therefore, every piece of clothing between the environmental suit and his skin should also have been absorbed absorbed internally. Therefore, even if he was wearing a hoodie, the hoodie should be in him, not on him. (laughs) Where's the hoodie, Ben? You find me the source of the hoodie. Is he out there finding planet zero plants and creating new fabrics out of them and weaving this hoodie by hand himself on a loom made out of rocks. The hoodie Where should did the be hoodie in come him, from, not man? on him. That is probably the single best. Like if we were doing that clamor thing, that's, that's so popular with podcasters right now, that would be the phrase to use. That would be the phrase that would be in our seven second clamor or whatever it is. <laughs> the hoodie should be in him. Not on him. Daniel, I don't know where the hoodie came from. I don't know where the cloth that was the torn, you know, robe or whatever, the the, the hood and, and cloak, I guess is what it is. Maybe there's a distressed old Navy on Planet Zero. I don't know where it came from. I do know I liked the look. If it could have just made sense. I like right, the look if it could have just made sense. I'll, I'll let you take it for a while and I'll reflect a little bit more on my question. Well, here are the different movies. As we move through the Fantastic Four, uh, 
and I'm going to, this is where it's kind of broken up into all these different things that kind of my, my feelings just sink more and more and more. Movie number one is eighties, all ages sci-fi. And that's the re young reading, young Ben story. And Daniel, I don't know about you, but I found myself actually enjoying myself as I was in that story of young Reed and young Ben. Uh, that Too bad was one. See a lot of Ben. Hmm. Too bad. We won't see a lot of Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then we move to movie two, number two, which is slow times at Ridgemont high. This is the, the science fair in a gymnasium. And, and then he goes to college at the, at the Baxter Institute. Here's the problem with this movie. One of the one of the main problems I think this movie has is that in here we have older actors pretending to be younger characters who are acting older than they're supposed to be. Ben and Reed are at a science fair next to a 10-year-old kid. How old are they in this movie? Well, I just took that as Reed likes to go to science fair, all ages science fairs, and beat up on little kids. I don't know, man. That's why the little kid called him a jerk. Yeah. And so from that, we go into the slightly almost happy sciencey montage mixed with boring, fast, and furious. Oh, my Lord. Every time they talk science, my brain goes to bed. There was science talk, and there was montages of looking into telescopes and typing and drawing on paper. You don't even really get to see what they're drawing. I mean, these montages now here's what a montage has to accomplish when you're doing this it has to accomplish a passage of time. And if you're doing a passage of time, you need to see development of character through that montage. Now, if it's the a team, and your montage is going to be them building something. You're going to see little moments between face man and the little farmer boy whose dad they're trying to help before the, the evil banker takes away their farm as, as they're building some sort of um, lettuce launcher to take down the bad guys. And that's what you're supposed to be seeing here. That's why I call it slightly happy because there's, they're almost laughing and, and smiling at each other. But oh, it was this is where it starts going down for me. I'm realizing, oh, no. Oh, no. The, the fun is, is being sapped away because they're trying. They're trying to make it fun instead of actually having it be fun. Movie number four is Drunk 2001 A Space Odyssey. And that's when they. <laughs> as they are. You know, and teenagers don't make good decisions when they're drunk. I think we can all agree on that. A lot of people don't make very good decisions when they're drunk, but they have now chosen to go and steal the machine. And this should be, oh, Daniel, this I'm, I'm, I'm not going to cry. I promised myself I wasn't going to do this, Daniel, but it's coming. Daniel, here is where. They should have been like, no, we get to go because I want to see what's on the other side. It should have been them choosing to go because of the spirit of adventure. Right? Are you with me? Sure. 
Why not? <laughs> okay, we'll do it. Let's go. Yeah. This would be great. We should take a flag, man. Yeah, let's take a flag. Plant it. And so, yeah, I might have seen Big Hero 6 in there for a few minutes. And then you have all the stuff going on on the other planet. And this is my expectation was okay, this sense of exploration on this other planet. And I almost expected there to be some monsters or something. And that's actually one of my fixes for this movie, by the way. Movie number five was the, um, the horror movie of body transformation that almost shows some emotion. Uh, and this is there. We get to see them have their problems. We get to hear Ben who's freaking out and Reed is checking in on him and realizing he has powers. Uh, that's the only emotion we get. We don't get to see Sue realize what's happening to herself. We don't get her moment. We get a, an explosion from Johnny, but we don't get to see them resolve the emotions. This is what this movie should be about. If they're going to do that, make the movie about them realizing, I, oh, this is, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? All the feels, buddy. All the feels. There was no feels. Oh, it was terrible. That's where, I, this is where I'm thinking, they just skipped over that. You know why they skipped over that, Daniel? Because they didn't know what to do with that. What do we do? Well, I don't know. There's some sort of emotion here, but I don't have emotions. What is this emotion you are talking about? Then we get... Uh, we get almost a superhero movie. <laughs> where uh, the big lead-up to the climax is bad guy walking down a hall. And they need to stop him from that hallway. You know, I'm pretty sure I saw that in Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer at one point. And then finally, the final movie we get here, I might have skipped one, but we get Boring Age of Ultron. <laughs> That's our climax. And actually, it's kind of a, a, a combination between Age of Ultron and, and uh, Avengers, the first Avengers movie, where you, know, you have a portal opening and you have... Um, He's going to destroy the world because he's going to... No, Shitari on the other side? Yeah. Well, instead of Shitari on the other side, it's just... No Dark Elves Victor. on the other side? It's just Victor. Um, and then... Victor and his distressed old navy. They ruin a couple cars. Uh, and then we get... We even get the final scene from Age of Ultron. <sighs> yeah, ruin a couple cars, they killed people! Yeah. People died! That's one of my questions. Oh, yeah, let's give the Fantastic Four a staff. But let's not mention the fact that people died. But they didn't kill them. I know they didn't kill them, but it's like, oh, yeah, thanks for saving us. You know who didn't get saved? Little Billy in the SUV. Little Billy in the SUV died when he was sucked into the other world without an environmental suit. It was just so weird. It was just so weird because of the way it all happened. I'm taking this happened slug so of cherry quickly. Pepsi for Little Billy right now. It happened so quickly. And then it was done. And then, uh, so they, they, they tried to raise the stakes. So it wasn't just a guy walking down a hall, but he's actually going to yeah, destroy Yeah, tried to Earth. raise the stakes with special effects that makes Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1 look like. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that I can go downstairs to the toy room, pick up an airplane, and do some of the same special effects that they did with the black hole. 
this is a short movie though. This is an hour and 40 minutes. That's it. Now felt a little bit longer, but they cut out so much. They had to have. And I don't know why. Cut out so much. My Lord, man, that's one of my questions. One of my questions is, where are the scenes from the trailer? They're gone. They are gone. Reed Richards. He asks questions that we don't know the answers to yet. He has, he, that's in the trailer, but here it's done as something else. And he's not really done. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty sure there's this whole sequence in the trailer that looks like they're going out on a mission where they're like, he's going to be there in two minutes. And then he's like, I'm there. And it's the thing being dropped. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that was one of the things missions and, and they cut it out. But I'm pretty sure there's a scene in there where things drop th- through the air from an airplane at night. They cut it out because they didn't. Again, this is it happens in the middle of the movie. And I don't know why they did this, but they completely skip the emotional response of the characters to their problem. So you don't get to see Sue deal with her invisibility and, and the suit and everything like that. Uh, you don't get to see Johnny really deal with it. Johnny just wants to be out on the field. When we come back to him, he's accepted everything and has full control. Thing is doing his thing, and there you don't get to have any of the emotional response to, I'm actually going out. He's not a soldier. I mean, the reason he's brought in in the original story is because he's a pilot. He has you know been to war. And so when he that actually would make sense. Why I don't even know why they just they could have easily said, now, okay, in, he, in he, Ultimate Fantastic Four, he's not a soldier. Okay. But Daniel And, and he and he's a friend who's there when the accident is, happens. Is the thing is the thing a soldier that works for the military in Ultimate Fantastic Four? No. Okay, so but, if but, you're going to do that, but, that if but, you're going to change but, the one, why not change but, the but, other? But, 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 no, you're, you're you're interrupting me. Hang on, wait, wait, wait. But, let, let let me finish and then and then uh, let me interrupt you right now and then you can interrupt me later. Okay? Well, it's answering your question. No, it's not answering my question because my but, question but is But by the time the arc wraps up, by the time the series wraps up, he is working for the military as a pilot, a test pilot because he discovers that he's really good at flying. That doesn't answer my question though, because here's what they should have done. While Reed is doing his things at the Baxter building, we should have been cutting over to Ben and seeing what Ben is up to, too. And what is Ben up to? He's joined the military. No, and there so you for, go. For two years, while he, he goes away, he goes over to the Middle East. He does a tour. He comes back. He's seen things. He, you know, he, he's been through things. But then he gets turned into the thing. And the military says, okay, we can use you more. We can use you again. And this is where he, he really has a crisis and a conflict. Which, because although I would cut out the this whole military movie doesn't allow completely. it to be so, soldier is a legitimate career choice. So here's the thing that here's how they can fix a lot of this, though, Daniel, is there is no reason whatsoever not to just take your cues from that first actual Fantastic Four comic. Take your cues from both from the ultimate stuff and from this stuff because what they could do and you make it you make it more physical than what was in green lantern or whatever but they open a hole to another dimension they go through they get powers they come back and that hole that reed opened he was responsible for that 
and a creature starts to come through. And Reed is responsible for that. And this is where they use their first, the first use of their powers as superpowered individuals doing superhero things. Go ahead and have them fight a monster. They are becoming monsters themselves, but they fight a monster. It doesn't have to be Doom. In fact, Doom, you want to set up the sequel? Here's how you set up the sequel. You have Doom by their side. He doesn't get powered up because he was part of the accident, but he was part of the creation process. And you have him get caught up and get powered up at the end, at the climax of the first movie. And then you save him for movie number two. There is no reason for them to have to copy every single other movie when they already have material they can copy that already has their name on it. That's that's my fix. Ben? Yep. So here's the point that I'm at right at the moment. I, I really only want to ask one more major question, but perhaps it's best that we ask that question after your statement. Okay. Well, I do have one more uh, question. But maybe it's best left for my statement. Because my question is, do they hate Fantastic Four? Did they do this movie on purpose? Did they make this movie this way on purpose to do this? Here's my statement, Daniel. It's a, I, I might even post this as an open letter to Fox. But here's, here's my statement. Dear Fox, A long time ago, because of contract issues and near bankruptcies and all sorts of bureaucratic shenanigans, you were given the keys to a franchise. Not just any franchise. If a typical superhero franchise is a solid sedan, you were given a Fantasticar. The world's greatest comic magazine is almost hyperbole. Almost. Over many decades and hundreds of issues, Marvel Comics has been creating stories featuring the Fantastic Four and their primary cast. And in that time, they have also done some recreating as well. Over that time, the comic book company redefined what worked, discovered what resounded with readers, and sometimes even had some missteps too. It wasn't perfect. Sue Storm may have been a feminist role model at first simply because she was there, but her superpower was literally that she could fade even further into the background. But because she was there, she developed into a three-dimensional character who went from being a stereotypical love interest to being a strong, strong role model, and not just a feminist role model. Reed Richards, Johnny Storm, Ben Grimm, all four of these characters, along with their supporting cast, including children, villains, and allies, have entertained many many diverse people over the years. Something's working for them to have survived. What's that something? Well, among many things, fun. A sense of adventure and awe and exploration. This comic came on the edge of the space age. It was optimistic and yet it was grounded. There were people who wanted to be normal, but they also were able to adventure in ways that no one else could. Something else, family, like the best superhero stories that have staying power. It's not just about fighting crime or being dark. It's about being human. And Stan Lee and Jack Kirby managed to catch the right dynamic, that special lightning in a bottle that comes around so rarely. Here's what Stan himself had to say from Origins of Marvel Comics. Martin Goodman mentioned that he had noticed one of the titles by National Comics seemed to be selling better than most. It was a book called The Justice League of America and was composed of a team of superheroes. If the Justice League is selling, spake he, why don't we put out a comic book that features a team of superheroes? His logic was irrefutable. Besides, I was tired of doing these countless monster mags. I would create a team of superheroes if that was what the marketplace required, but it would be a team such as Comic Done had never known. For this once, I would do the type of story I myself would enjoy reading if I were a comic book reader. 
And the characters would be the kind of characters I could personally relate to. They'd be flesh and blood. They'd have their faults and foibles. They'd be fallible and feisty. And most important of all, inside their colorful costume booties, they still have feet of clay. The more I thought of it, the more the concept grabbed me. All that remained was to dream up the characters, to create a team that meshed together. The first thing that came to mind was a love interest. For the first time, we'd have a hero and a heroine who actually were engaged. No more coy suggestions that she'd really dig the guy if she only knew his true identity. And speaking of identities, I was utterly determined to have a superhero series without any secret identities. I knew for a fact that if I possessed, if I myself possessed a superhero, I'd never keep it secret. Little by little, it all took shape. We'd have the leader of the team and his lady love. She'd have the kid brother whom the readers could empathize with, but not too young. I felt there should be one more member of our still nameless menage. One character who was to be included for drama, for pathos, for color, and for the sheer offbeat quality he could provide. He'd be the most unlikely hero of all. Ugly, morose, and totally antisocial. Possessed of brute strength and a hair-trigger temper. And kicking it around with Martin and Jack for a while, I decided to call our quaint quartet the Fantastic Four. And the rest is history. So how is it? You keep screwing up. The first round with Fantastic Four was with Roger Corman, a movie that's so bad it's good. It kept the rights around long enough for a second round, a movie that tried to be fun and had the right cast and the right intentions, just the wrong story and the wrong pacing. So when people were talking about how bad it was, is that when you decided, well, we tried being fun and that failed, let's course correct and make it not fun. How is it that this summer you released a movie that really should have been called The Quaint Quartet? Do you want to know how to fix this problem? You're not going to like the answer. You have to stop hating your own franchise. You have to stop copying all the other franchises. You have to find someone who actually likes Fantastic Four and then find someone who actually understands Fantastic Four and then find someone who can actually make a movie similar to the story that the person who likes and the person who understands Fantastic Four crafts for you. It could be three people. It could be two, it could be a half dozen, but they have to fit into those categories. Again, this is for you, Fox. They like the concept, they understand the concept, and they can realize the concept on film. This feels like it is fairly easy to figure out, but you haven't yet. You spent a lot of money not figuring this out, and it might cost a lot more to figure it out. So I'm giving you this advice for free. So please, follow that advice for the selection process you make as you make another Fantastic Four movie. And please, don't consider this a failure of Reed, Sue, Johnny, and Ben. This was not their fault. They're fine. They're more than fine. They're fantastic. The blame for this failure comes from you trying to fix what isn't broken, trying to take something fun and energetic and exciting and turn it into something dark and edgy and down and dour. We don't need more dark. If I want dark, I have Batman and Blade and Man-Thing and Punisher and Darkman. And yes, I just said Man-Thing. And yes, I would rather watch any of those movies than Fantastic Four. This movie was terrible not because it was bad, but because it was safe. And then let's talk about Ant-Man. Who knew that Ant-Man and Avengers would be fighting for the crown of the best summer superhero movie in a year where there was going to be a Fantastic Four movie too? There's a great Fantastic Four movie out there. It just hasn't been made yet. And because of you, Fox, in your deadly mediocrity, it may never happen. 
Doctor Doom thanks you for that, but I don't. Sincerely, Ben. Ben Avery. Co-host, Welcome to Level 7, the unofficial podcast of Marvel Cinematic Universe. P.S. I love the MCU, but I don't want you to let the rights go back to Marvel. Marvel has its hands full with their current slate of movies. They're doing great, and I don't want them to have to shoehorn in another movie that will slide the other ones back again like Spider-Man did. I just want a summer where I could see Ant-Man, Avengers, X-Men, and Fantastic Four all in the same summer. But I also want them to be good. That's my statement. And I'm sticking by it. And special thanks to Stan Lee for joining in <laughs> briefly. That's that's impressive. It it reminds me of certain things, such as the fact that we would not have the MCU today if it was not for the Fantastic Four. And how the Fantastic Four has been treated, despite the fact that it's not one of my favorite franchises or titles, is just a poor, poor shame. It's not my fan. My, my it's not my Fantastic. It's not my favorite either. I mean, I'll say I'll say that straight out. Fantastic Four is a comic that I didn't read regularly. I would dabble in it every once in a while, but it works. And a good Fantastic Four story. I really enjoy reading. It's just, this was not good. This was not good. And it's a shame. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it's a shame. And I'm going to say right now, uh, what's the director's name? Trank. Trank. What, I don't know his first name. Josh Trank. Josh Trank. He can try and distance himself as much as he wants. Fox knew what they were getting when they brought him in. And he can say this is not his vision on the screen. But what it is, is Fox, if Fox interfered, it's Fox trying to correct something they knew was wrong. There's a reason he got fired from Star Wars. He is, he, he took something that should have been joyful. That was the main note I put on here. On the first page of my notes, no joy. There's no joy. There is no joy in this movie, and that is the probably the fundamental problem here. There's no sense of awe, no sense of adventure, and no joy. And Daniel, we have talked for an hour about this. I think we've given it plenty of space. What else do we have here, Daniel? I, I've got my one last question, which has no answer. Okay. And then we can go to our, our mission. Oh, it's been so long. Intelligence report. Our intelligence. Yeah. No. Field report. Field report, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. <sighs> Where Stan Lee, try harder. He lives in Los Angeles. Thank you very much. The MCU makes it work. <laughs> eh, I don't know. Where's Stan Lee? All right. Do ben, you want him in this movie? It's not going to make this movie better. All it's going to do Honestly, is remind you of it, Stan Lee did a better job with this stuff. At least if he was in it, I could piece it together in the montages. And the montages make me happy. But mm-hmm. again, let's just go. Let's go to the man who thinks that The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a better well, movie. Yeah, let's go there. Shield Field Report. Agent Evan writes in and says, hey, guys. All right. Let's talk about this movie. Let me start off by saying that like the Fantastic Four... Oh, I, I like the Fantastic Four, the fictional superhero team. 
I like their characters, their family dynamic. I like the sort of adventures they go on. I think they have cool powers. So despite the overwhelming unhype surrounding this film's release, after seeing that second trailer and hearing about reshoots and redrafts, I was audacious enough to have hope. Let's uh, stop for a moment right there. Daniel, do you remember early on in the process how they weren't releasing any set photos? Yeah, yeah I remember that. They weren't. We they didn't had selfies. Know. We got selfies we, of the cat. We got a selfie at the end of the shoot. We didn't even know they were shooting. <laughs> okay, back to Agent Evan. I saw this movie at the Thursday, quote, midnight showing in my theater. It was almost half full. Again, sorry, Ben, for not being able to make the 1030 show. Plot stuff. When the opening credits rolled to the sound of Elementary Reed giving a speech, I was pleased and then pleased further to find out that the first 20 or 30 minutes of the film followed very closely to the source material of The Ultimate Fantastic Four. I know it's a big leap from the 616 continuity, so I understand why this retelling of the origin story would turn many classic Marvel fans away. For me, personally, Ultimate Fantastic Four was my very first Fantastic Four comic book, so I'm probably more forgiving of the switched-out source material than others might be. The first act was a decent interpretation, and I was really enjoying the movie. Then the problems started. I guess I'll just go in order. Reed and company get drunk, and that's why they decide to travel interdimensionally? Really? Sue doesn't even go with them to the other dimension? Boom! (laughs) Reed runs away. Daniel, it's like he listened to our episode and did an outline because he's hitting every point that we've been hitting. Yo, go ahead. I'm going to keep booming him. Oh, he's he's going to get some boom in here. I'm going to stand up. Uh, okay. Uh, Reed runs away and just leaves his friends. And boom. What, and what is he even doing when he's south of the border? He's, boom. He's building stuff. To what end? It looked like maybe he was working on a fantastic car. Is he going to go rescue his friends? Does he even know what happened to them? He knows Ben's out in the world, I guess, but what about Sue? I didn't care for the heavy military presence in this movie, nor the heavy military application of the Fantastic Four. In the Ultimate Comics, the Baxter Building was a government-slash-military-funded think tank, which would utilize the ideas Reed's and Friend came up with, but they never used the Fantastic Four as soldiers. It just left a bad taste in my mouth. So, we have a kind of big character-developing lull of a second act, followed by the sudden and... (laughs) followed by the sudden and expected return of Victor, who is then even more suddenly and unexplicably decides to kill and destroy everyone on the Earth using some sort of wormhole antimatter circle thing held up by stone pillars. Yeah, because stones, man, that's science right there. Stones. (laughs) The pacing seemed way off to me. I did get up to use the restroom during that lull period, though, so maybe I missed something. And then we have a bland ending, which tries to pass itself off as clever and timeless. Okay, stopping there again. Bland ending. That's probably the perfect phrase to use to describe the ending of this movie. And that clever and timeless. Again, I don't know if there was a reshoot involved here, but how does it so closely match Age of Ultron? How does that happen? Hey, we're going to call ourselves... Cut to credits. Yeah. So back to Evan. Let's take a look at the characters. Reed is very much like his Ultimate Comics self in that first act, right up until he becomes terminally moody and depressed for the rest of the movie. Reed's rallying speech at the end felt very forced. He seems smart, but not Reed Richards smart. Sue looks the part, I suppose, but wow, was her character bland. I think she smiled maybe once 
We talked a couple episodes ago about some perceived sexism on the part of Ant-Man. I didn't pick it up in that movie, but I do in this one. I don't know about you guys. It seemed like she had far fewer lines than her fellow actors. Am I wrong? Or was she the only woman in the film? Boom, boom! At least in the foreground. While we're talking about Sue, let's talk about her and Reed. The movie, This movie has managed to take one of the great comic book romances and reduce it to some light flirting. I understand this is an origin movie and that they were already planning for a sequel. And you and I light flirt. Come on. <laughs> But come on, I don't feel any heat between the two whatsoever. And then once again, (laughs) get over here and let's cuddle. Uh, I'm going to keep reading. And then once again, after the first act, any romance they were building just up and vanishes. Johnny was kind of cool. I like the way Michael B. Jordan played him. However, I would argue that he's not playing Johnny Storm. This Johnny is charismatic. Yes. Embracing his powers. He's kind of a hothead. But there's not that reckless teenage attitude there that I often pick up from Johnny in the comics. This version also seems smarter, and even though some of his actions may might say different, somehow seems more responsible. I liked the character he was playing. I, it just didn't read as Johnny Storm to me. Victor was also very close to his ultimate counterpart, which I know is drastically different from the 616, which is a bummer. What I didn't like was that they made him a pseudo-activist. He's going to make negative comments about waterboarding people, but then decides to just go ahead and kill everyone on the planet? I think his character just shifted too drastically and too quickly for me. Uh, How can you say too quickly? There was a year of development that we just skipped over. A whole year happened. That's me, by the way, jumping in to say that. Uh, I can say the same thing about his revenge arc against Reed. Some seeds were planted in Act 1 about jealousy over Sue and maybe some resentment towards Reed for solving a problem Victor couldn't. But I don't think they watered those seeds enough to yield the harvest of world-destroying hatred we ended up with. And he has microwave and rock powers. (laughs) Kind of random. Okay, I saved Ben for last because I think they did the best job with him, despite the disappointing amount of screen time he actually had in the movie. I thought young and pre-rock Ben was actually pretty spot on, at least for the Ultimate Universe. I didn't like how he just sold himself to the military. We touched a little on Ben's resentment toward Reed, but we didn't get much payoff there with conflict or resolution. I have to give style points for the flame effects on the Human Torch for in this one, and very cool and very close to the comics, in my opinion. I'm not sure how I feel about Thing being naked. Actually, yes, I do. It kind of makes me uncomfortable. The black jumpsuit costumes were lackluster, and I thought the accordion sleeves on Reed's costume were a strange choice. Overall, I'd say the style of the film harkened right back to the superhero movies of the early 2000s, wherein we can find characters and events that kind of maybe resemble what we know from the comics, but only if you squint. This last battle, though? Wow. Is that what they used all their reshoot time on? Lastly, I'll mention theme. The only one that grabbed me was encapsulated in Dr. Storm's line, we're gods. we're, We're not gods, we're just people. Which is something I think the film tried to convey, bringing the FF down to Earth, making sure we know they're very real human beings going through this stuff which I guess they sort of succeed with, maybe? To sum up, my favorite quote concerning this movie, which comes from The Hollywood Reporter, they call it a 100-minute trailer for a movie that never happens. I give it two cosmically altered superheroes out of five. I'd rather watch The Amazing Spider-Man 2 any day. Boom! (laughs) I do think he saw the same movie. I'm still not convinced that I like The Amazing Spider-Man more. Again, I, I that first 30 minutes was pretty good. Yeah, but not good enough to make up for the whole movie. And yeah, but I don't see myself any... I don't see myself ever watching this movie again. I do. I do really? see watching again if you and I ever do a commentary for it. 
I could totally see us doing a commentary for it. That actually could work. Yeah. Because we I could talk see. about Fantastic Four, what we like. No research, though. We just watch it straight through. The problem with our, our whole X-Men one is we're sp- spending too much time researching it. We've actually done stuff for it. Yeah, yeah. So, And I feel like we kind of have to do the, the X-Men one because that's what we put a vote out. Yeah, we'll get there, buddy. We'll get there. Okay. Yeah. You got anything else to say about this movie, buddy? It just It's solidly mediocre. And so I have lots of complaints about what they were doing with it, what they were trying to do with it. But it all comes back to it just wasn't – they didn't try. They didn't try. They didn't try. They didn't push themselves to dig deep. They didn't, they didn't go into that place inside you where you're trying to find the story that resonates with you. And if they did, uh, if this was the direction Josh Trank was going in and Fox was pulling him back, that's the right impulse, Fox. That was the right impulse, I think. You know, and, and, and so I, I really think that Fox then was trying to fix it, and you can't fix it. You, you can't, can't fix it if it's completely broken. No, if you have a full, if you have a two-hour movie, you're going to try and edit it down into a better movie. That's rarely, rarely, rarely going to actually fix it. Ben, as you say that, there's only one thing I can say in response. And what's that? You can't fix this. No one can. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls. You can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Once again, thanks for listening, and remember, welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. So there I am, Ben, in the theater watching the trailer, the Deadpool trailer. Guy next to me goes, we got to wait six months. I looked over at him and I said, I know, but we'll get through. We just got to get through this horrible hot mess first. And then we high fived. Yeah, I forgot that trailer was in there. Boom! <laughs> I'll say this. For me, the highlight of the night. That popcorn was pretty good. Well, buddy, I gotta un- uh, unbox my Deadpool chimichanga truck now, so this has been fun. <laughs> I have to unbox my Agent Carter. Do you have your Agent Carter yet? No! Well, I, I do. Got my Deadpool chimichanga truck. I'm glad you do. All right, Daniel. Hour and 12 minutes of Fantastic Four. And we are done with it. Unless people really push hard for a commentary. Why did you have to mention that? 
I'm All not right. not my idea. <laughs> that original to me. Who who had the idea? Somebody brought it up. I can't remember. To you? No, on Facebook. Oh man. I don't remember. You no, know they're gonna that. make you do a Deadpool one too. That was the sound of my my soul dying just a little bit. <laughs> All right. All I know is, Daniel, I will have more fun one way or another at the Deadpool movie than I did for this one. That's my prediction. Boom!